Hello and welcome to another episode of the Punt the QB podcast. I am Rick at Rick Punt the QB over here. My partner Tim. Tim. Punt QBFF. What's up, everybody? So, Tim, uh, we're going to start talking about the uh, divisionals, divisional teams here. We're going to break down divisions. We're going to talk about those teams um, as we go from division to division. Uh, before we do that, uh, Tim, what do we want to talk about in current events here for sports? Yeah, you know, I mean, we are a sports podcast. I, you and me both love, we started doing the divisions last year. It gives you a little extra time to talk we opened this season talking in generalities. Now we get to speak about each team a little bit more. Um, but we, of course, are a sports podcast. We've reached the point where the dog days of summer, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about it more in the next episode. But the biggest thing in the sports world really was NBA free agency opening up. And and, and we've talked about it before. The NBA is as close to fantasy sports as you're going to get. These owners are billionaires who buy these franchises as toys. And really, they just trade players like it's like it's fantasy, like it's stuff you talk about. You're like, oh, why can't they get Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing and David Robinson? You know. Well, it, and it's actually the one sport where the actual players have so much more control oh, over God, everything. Yes. If a player says they don't want to be there in the NBA, you just you're okay. Well, let's just get you out of here. And not only that, but it's like even guys with no trade clause would be like, no, I'll only go to this team, <clears throat> yep. which gives the team no bargaining power because they're like, yeah. well, you know, kind of like Aaron Rodgers did in football. They're like, I'm going to the Jets. So they only, they negotiated against themselves. Yeah. Well, say, I mean, like it blows my mind. The NBA every year, the reason I was turned off of it and I prefer college is there's six teams that can win every year and the other 24 are hoping to get lucky like San Antonio did with the lottery. Mm-hmm. That's it. So like, how the hell did Phoenix get KD midseason and then in this offseason, they got Bradley Beal and didn't have to give up Booker or Aiden. Mm-hmm. They actually got something for Chris Paul. I mean, they were just trading his contract, yeah. but it, it just blows my mind. Like, how do they do it? You're like, hey, you want some second-round picks? Who the hell wants second-round picks? Nobody in the NBA wants second-round picks. Apparently Washington. I mean, there's, I mean it very rarely do second-round picks actually turn into anything in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, the Joker. I mean, you can, everybody yeah. points out the Joker, but the rest of these guys are G League guys. But, yeah, anyway, I, I know... Uh, Kyrie Irving was one of the bigger names because Dame demanded a trade that hasn't happened yet. Kyrie Irving re-upped with the Mavs. When they traded for them, they took a big risk. I, I thought it was a good, you know, good gamble payoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kyrie's kind of he's kind of goofy in his own way. I mean, he always kind of finds ways to, yeah, to mess things up for himself. Him yeah. Alone, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you have it like that. The amount of money that's getting thrown at some of these guys. I mean, you're good like for them. you're you're. Fred Van Fleet, you got Halliburton signed a, a max deal. You've got all these big. Uh, what what a Dylan Brooks signed almost a uh, a max deal. Yeah, four years, eighty million. Lamelo Ball, Rockets. the Lamello Rockets. Ball. Yeah, they're using that all that cap space. Lamelo Ball extended with the Hornets. I mean, you got people just getting paid in the NBA. I mean, the NBA makes money hand over fist. I mean, when you're talking about uh, when you're talking about like the sports, obviously the American sport that's you know football is king. We've always keep of saying course. that. So when you're talking about internationally, like worldwide, like basketball just has so much attention worldwide. Oh yeah, some of the leagues that go on in Europe are are, are better than the college. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's and you see that with these guys that come over ready. I mean, the Joker came over ready. Yeah. I mean, Giannis, you know, played in Greece. I mean, these guys are were ready. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just thought we'd tell, like I said, I mean the. the the, the Bucks ran it back for one more. Uh, the Lakers, they, they, they've gotten a bunch of really good players. So it's been interesting. It's definitely been interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's literally, there's 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 about six to eight teams that are looking to try to win the whole thing. You've got another, like, six to eight teams that are going to be playoff teams and, and hoping to win a series or two. And then you have, like, half of the league, which is just kind of just sitting there dormant, just waiting to be picked apart with their better players to, to the better teams. Yeah, absolutely. 
So what are we really here for? We're here for the NFC East, right? Yeah, NFC East episode. So we're going to start off with the NFC East. Um, the Super Bowl runner runners-up, perfect way to go. We'll finish with the Super Bowl champions. We'll get to that, you know, in a handful of episodes. But let's dive right into the NFC East, Tim. The Philadelphia Eagles made it to the Super Bowl. They lost, and they lost both of their coordinators to boot with it. Yeah, and that's going to probably be the biggest story going into the season. I mean, last year they went 14-3. and They flirted with perfection. Uh, they lost in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, everybody remembers that. It was a great Super Bowl. Now, Vegas thinks for this year, they are minus 125 favorites to win the division. Sounds about right. In the conference, they are plus 250 favorites, so no value there. Super Bowl... Plus 650, they're the second favorite, and their win total is 11.5. Anything there pique your interest? Well, 11.5 is a lot when you're talking about this schedule. They they got they have a pretty murderous row there in the middle of the season for the, with, the, with their schedule. I mean, you have to play, uh, you know, at, at the Jets. We don't know exactly what you're going to get there yet, but I feel like if the Jets, if you're going to be playing them, you want to probably be playing them at the beginning of the season or at the end of the season. I feel like in the middle of the season, you, the Jets are probably going to hit their stride. We'll get to that when we talk about the Jets. But you play the Jets, you play against Miami, you play at KC, you play against Buffalo, you play against San Francisco, you play against you play at Seattle. I mean, this is not an easy schedule. When you're talking about the NFC East, and it, we'll just talk about it now and get it out of the way, You they, they all play against the NFC West and they all play against the AFC East. Those are really tough divisions this year. And they, like, the Eagles went from having, the, the NFC East went from having the easiest schedule last oh, year to gosh. the hardest schedule this year. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I we both remember a couple years back when it was the NFC least, and the first place it went down to last, and they, you know, okay, is the first place winner going to be above five hundred? Now, last year, the last place team, the Washington Football Team, was eight eight and one. Yeah. I mean, it's just madness. Mathematically speaking, speaking of their schedule, they it is the number one hardest. They have a five six six opponent winning percentage based on last year's record, so it is actually ranked number one hardest. You mentioned all their tough games; they only get a couple breaks. They play Tampa, the Rams, but even those two are road games, mm-hmm. uh, and they play Arizona. I mean, that's their only breaks. It's tough. So, as far as uh, biggest offseason moves, additions, and subtractions, uh, they traded out Miles Sanders, who left for Carolina, brought mm-hmm. in DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. Uh, they lost defense. They lost definitely lost defense. Uh, T.J. Edwards haven't really you know replaced him significantly. C.J. Garner Johnson, Javon Hargrave. Um, I think the biggest story of their offseason was Jalen Hurts getting paid. Yep. We, we talked about it in years past. We always referenced the Seahawks before Russ Wilson got paid. They have officially paid Jalen Hurts. He got a five-year, $255 million deal with $110 million fully guaranteed. So now we're going to see what happens to them. Yeah. Well, this year they've only got a six million dollar cap hit for this season. So you know what that means? It means you got to win now because right now. this cap hit, this cap hit is going to you know get bigger and bigger and bigger as we get further into this contract. And it's not like because you gave him all that guaranteed money, eventually the piper gets paid. You can't just cut him. You're going to have a whole bunch of dead money if you ended up cutting him. So like, now, now obviously they're not going to do that. Jalen Hurts right now is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's going to help them win and stuff like that. But something that I thought was interesting when you're talking about the the, the people that they lost. I mean, some of the people that they kept, they kept James Bradbury. They re-signed James Bradbury. They, they re-signed Fletcher Cox. I mean, he was a, a he's he's one of the the uh, elder statesmen, if you will, of that team. He's one of the team captains. Um, they, they love him on, de- on the defense. They brought Jason Kelsey back for another season. Um, they signed Terrell Edmonds from Pittsburgh. Uh, 
you know, they, they you, you already talked about, they brought in DeAndre uh, Swift and uh, Rashad Penny. Um, and they, they got Marcus Mariota now as their backup quarterback, which is, which is a pretty solid backup quarterback, in my opinion. The one thing that they did lose that really is something that I wanted to touch on is the fact that they lost both of their coordinators. They, Shane Station, he went to uh, the, the, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts now, and Jonathan Gannon went to uh, the head, be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Tim, did you know? So there have been three times since 1994 where a team has lost both coordinators. So... Jay Gruden it, uh, lost both of them after successful seasons. Let me say that. Because there have been times where they fire everybody. Yeah, and so yeah. But I say three times where after successful seasons that they've lost that they've lost their quarters. In nineteen ninety-four, the San Francisco 49ers lost Mike Shanahan to Denver and Ray Rhodes to Philly. All right. In uh, two thousand and four, New England lost Romeo Crennel, who went to Cleveland, and Charlie Weiss, who went to be the head coach at Notre Dame. Huh. All right. In 2013, the Cincinnati Bengals lost Jay Gruden to Washington and Mike Zimmer to be the head coach of the, the Minnesota Vikings. I'm only saying these things because those teams, when they've left to go to other teams, those teams have not been successful. Do you know what teams have stayed successful? The team that made it to the Super Bowl or was successful that season. The next season. All three of those teams, the very next season, 11-5, and 10-6, and 10-5-1. and one. Interesting. So... Interesting. Like I'm bringing those things up for that point alone to say, like, don't think that this means there's going to be a stopgap with Philadelphia. But I will add one of those things, one more little caveat to this whole thing. All those teams had very successful seasons, but none of them made it to the Super Bowl the next season. It's it, in the NFL. It is really tough to run it back. It, it's 32 teams, and we're not talking the NBA where five can win. Every year in the NFL, we see teams go from last to, to, you know, last to first, which, you know, we'll talk about strength of schedule and stuff, but that's based off of last year's win percentage. Stuff like that can flip pretty easily. Not only did those teams not make it to the Super Bowl, Tim, they didn't even make it to the NFC Championship or AFC Championship game. Yeah, it's interesting. That is definitely, you know, I was going to end each team's capsule with the biggest question, and that's it. I mean, yes, they lost a bunch of guys on free agency, and that's what's going to happen when you go to the Super Bowl. But yeah, what are they going to look like without their OC and DC? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's interesting. We saw what happened last year when Buffalo lost Dayball to the Giants. The Giants had surprising success, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, Buffalo was good, but they lost in the divisional round. And I think going into this year, when we talk next week about the AFC East, they're going to change philosophies on offense. Mm-hmm. So really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what the Eagles do. Yeah, the one thing I'll say is not only do I not see them skipping a beat, um, with the fact that they lost both of their uh, offensive and defense coordinators. The thing is, is that this team has the best offensive and defensive lines. If you take every, all 32 teams and you put offensive and defensive lines together and say who's the best out of all these, Philadelphia by far is they have the best trench play in all of football right now. And I think it was really great that they brought back Fletcher Cox because he's going to be a great mentor, just what Jalen Carter needs. Exactly, you know. All right, team. Tim, going from a team that made a lot of moves in the Philadelphia Eagles in their offseason, let's talk about a team that I feel like made almost no moves, and that's Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, um, they brought in uh, they, they brought in Stephon Gilmore. They brought in Brandon Cooks. Uh, but but that's basically it. I mean, they franchised Tony Pollard, but there was not a lot of free agent movement on this team, like going in or out. I mean, they cut Zeke. They, they, they let Dalton Schultz walk. I mean, but really... 
there wasn't a lot going on in offseason movements on this team. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, no, and I agree. And, and the thing is, uh, we'll talk about them by the numbers in a second. But, I mean, yes, what, what Dallas is experiencing, it actually was created a couple years back when they decided to pay everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I said it at the time, and I, I'm, I'm sticking to it, paying Zeke all that money it would hurt them. So when they paid Zeke, Amari Cooper, and Dak in consecutive <laughs> years, this is now the side effect. This is what they're experiencing. So they've had to cut Zeke, so they're finally out of his money. Amari Cooper, they had to trade. But that's the thing. is coming up. They're going to have to pay CeeDee Lamb. They're going to have to pay Dr- uh, Trayvon Diggs. They're going to have to pay Micah Parsons. And Dak's going to be due for another contract. And you look at all the money these quarterbacks are getting. So the fact that they didn't make a big, a lot of big moves, that's because all this stuff is on the horizon. Now, I mean, we can we can back up and talk about Dallas. Uh, last year they went 12-5. and five. They lost in the divisional round to San Fran. Stop me if you've heard that before. <laughs> um, by the numbers for Vegas, they are plus 190 to win the division, second favorites in the division. They're plus 600 third favorites in the conference, which kind of blows my mind a little bit. I don't think either one of us think they're the third best team in the conference, but they're one of those teams that everybody likes to bet on. And for Super Bowl odds, they are plus 1,400, the sixth favorite. Their win total is 9.5. You talked about some of their additions. Uh, Gilmore and Brandon Cooks, I, I know we're busting their balls about not making a lot of trades or a lot of moves, but those were both solid moves. Yeah, well, you get Stephon Gilmore is 33 years old now, and Brandon Cooks is 30 years old, and Brandon Cooks is coming off of a very bad season last year where he left the team, he was not happy, he was frustrated, and they're oh, paying this guy $10 million a year to be here. But that's the thing is, these are moves that they had to do because they are in win-now mode. They just happen to be kind of like uh, back in the day when like the Knicks and, and Pistons and all these teams ran into the Bulls when Jordan was there. This is with the Cowboys. They're in their win-now window up against Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. Do you think Do you think they bring Zeke back in? I do. I, I You know, it's funny. I actually, on my column of subtractions, I, I included Colin Moore. We talked... Uh, Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Kellen, Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator. Uh, Dalton Schultz is gone. I put Zeke in the parentheses. sees, I put for now. Because I don't think anybody would be surprised if they brought him back. You know? It seems like a shame, though. You would hate for him for his last play to be a center. <laughs> Remember when they, yes. they lined him up there? And they had him snap the I, I ball. Spit my beer he on got my absolutely nose. smashed by that lineman. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, you know these linemen get excited. I remember back when I played, and we played West Chicago one day, and this kid came up. He was a defensive tackle in front of me. He was half my size and growling at me. I just pancaked his ass. So you know when that defensive tackle saw Zeke up there, he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're talking about it, once again, we're talking about a team – the teams that are playing against the NFC West and the AFC East in the NFC in the in the teams in the NFC East. So Dallas, once again, you got you got a pretty difficult uh, a row here of games here. You got the Jets, you got the the 49ers, you got the Chargers, the Seahawks, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, they got in that one. I mean, you're talking about some games that are probably more winnable with Arizona, New England, the Rams, Carolina. I mean, but I mean, I don't see I, I understand what you're saying about why they did the things that they did, but I don't think this Dallas team in any way has gotten that much better from where they were at. Yeah, I don't I don't think they got better. I, I feel like they they're restricted salary cap wise as far as what they could do. So I don't know I mean if you say you're disappointed about the moves they didn't make, I, I don't know that there was an opportunity to do so that they could have. I mean they, they, they can't they couldn't have dropped the bucket of money that San Fran did for Javon Hargrave. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 
some of these guys, like I was talking about Mike McGinchley, the right tackle, got a <clears throat> boatload of money. A lot of these guys that change teams, like Jesse Bates and McGlinchey and all these guys, they got a bucket of money from the team they went to. Dallas doesn't have that. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, they're going to have to pay both Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons. So they don't have a bucket of money they can drop on some random guy who was in their 20s. I mean, and, and, and you brought up Kellen Moore being, uh, you know, be, leaving the team. And they brought in uh, Brian Schottenheimer, but he's not calling the plays. Michael McCarthy is is calling the plays. And in 16 seasons of him being the offensive coordinator or the head coach of pretty much calling the plays, he's had, in 16 seasons, 10 of those, he's finished in the top 10 in offense on his teams. So this is a Dallas team that's going to put up a lot of offensive numbers. You think so? You don't think so? No, I think they're going to change philosophy. I, I think Kellen Moore was willing to open it up and pass a lot more, and I think McCarthy might be a little more conservative. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I think like when you're talking about the fact that right now they've got Pollard, but they don't have anything else. They got Ceedee Lamb. They've got you got Ceedee Lamb. You got Gallup. You've got now you got Cooks and stuff like that. You get you got the the two the two younger tight ends um, that yeah, made Sh- made Dalton Shoemaker. Schultz. Yeah, they yeah. made Dalton Schultz more expendable. Um, I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna stay more more pretty. You know, uh, more pass more pass, but they're going to utilize Tony Pollard a lot more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. More on that later. Um, yeah, strength schedule you've already talked about. They play the AFC East and the mm-hmm. NFC West, fourth hardest by opponents' win percentage. And we talked about it. Some of their biggest questions going in, one of the things I wanted to ask you, what their offense is going to look like without Kellen Moore. You you don't think they're going to skip a beat? I, I disagree. I, I brought up, and when we talked about the coaching in Episode 3, you look at the numbers that Dallas's offense put up with Kellen Moore calling plays, that was really good. And McCarthy, when he said at the end of the year, one of the reasons they got rid of Kellen Moore is they felt they opened it up too much, which cost him some leads. I took that as McCarthy might go a little more conservative. Now, we'll see. I, I'm interested to see if they bring back Zeke or have some other compliment because Tony Pollard, while has gotten on the field, has shown flashes. He's never been the bell cow for 17 games. Yeah, true, true, true. Um, I mean, obviously, they, they brought in uh, an interior defensive lineman in the draft and Mozzie Smith from Michigan. I mean, I think he's going to help with that that interior defense right at the uh, right at you know in the nose tackle kind of defensive tackle position. Um, but really, the thing that always rings back to me is with Dallas is is Dak that much better than an average quarterback? I don't think he is. I think if the, if the star wasn't on his helmet, he would just be another Derek Carr that nobody's talking about. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you because I feel like we've given him the benefit of the doubt more often than not, and it seems to have not been working out. That's what I'm saying. Like If you look at the way he plays and the numbers he puts up, again, I think people talk about him in such a, a high regard because he plays for Dallas. To me, he's just another Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. Yeah, when we're talking about Dallas, I think the one thing that always sticks in my mind is is when we're talking about Philadelphia, I understand that Jalen Hurst is a big part of that team, but I feel like that team could still win with how that team is set up without Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? If Jalen Hurts goes down, they could still win games with Marcus Mariota because they're so they have so many different the, the Dallas Cowboys are a team that, yes, won twelve games last year, but Tim, can you say with any kind of certainty that I feel like this team really is going to have issues if they lose any of one of four players. When If Dak goes down, if Pollard goes down, if C.D. Lamb goes down, or if Micah Parsons goes down. I feel like if any of those guys go down, I'm not talking about like, oh, the other three are just going to step it up. I feel like there is legitimate issues with this team if any one of those guys go down. 
You're not wrong. Yeah, I, I, I know we're talking about the Cowboys, but when you when you mentioned it briefly, I don't think it got enough attention. The fact that they brought in Marcus Mariota to be backup for the Eagles, that's perfect because Garner Minshew does not play the same style as Jalen Hurts. Marcus Mariota does. So I that was very underrated. Now, Cooper Rush had some success backing up Dak last year, but he is not the same player Dak is. And, and he, you hit the nail on the head. They in the NFL, everybody gets hurt. It's a collision sport. I, I, I don't know that Dallas is that much better than the Giants. I think that when you're talking about like the Giants, when you're talking about all these other teams, that this is the one team when I was doing like my research on, and I was like, oh my god, if they lose this guy, they could be in serious trouble. But then I was like, oh my god, if they lose this guy, they might be in serious trouble. And then it was like, if they lose this guy, they're going to be in serious. It's one of those things where if if you were to lose one of these guys, you're talking about going from a 12-win team last year to an 8- to a 9-win team this year. And like if, if there's a significant injury to like Micah Parsons or he misses the whole season, it's like, oh my God, this defense is totally up the lurch. Uh, but every, that, but you this say the is same. what happens to a roster when you're top-heavy. When, yeah. you, when you're top-heavy and you pay your top five players, the rest of the guys are just... You don't have the depth. Pieces. You don't have the depth to be able to take on those positions. If you're not... Picking up like this great depth that you have, like in Philadelphia. All right, Tim. So let's go from one team here, the Dallas Cowboys, that franchise Tony Pollard, to another team that franchise the running back and Saquon Barkley and the New York Football Giants. Gee, I hadn't heard that story. Did they franchise him? <laughs> they franchise him. He's not happy about it. I was it. just gonna say, is he happy about he's, it? He's given the he's given the Josh uh, the Josh Jacobs like I'll be more than happy to sit out a couple of games to voice my displeasure about. And this. he should. Yeah. Yeah, before we break into the biggest stories about it, the Giants finished third place last year. Their job last year was to bring in a new coach. Dayball first got his opportunity. They were supposed to clear all the bad contracts, the Kenny Galladay contracts off, clear some contracts out, see what they have in Daniel Jones, and really kind of be a rebuild year. A funny thing happened on the way to that. Yes. They went 9-7-1, and one, made the playoffs, and actually won a playoff game. Now, if they were matched up against anybody else in the playoffs besides the Vikings, they probably wouldn't have won that game. But the fact that they went 9-7-1... and one, prompted them to be like, ooh, we should run it back. Because the biggest story, I'll talk about their odds. I'll talk. Last year they went 9-7-1. They lost in the division round to Philly, 38-7. to It wasn't that close. But they ran it back, and that was the biggest story of their offseason was, we talked about it on the Free Agent Podcast, Daniel Jones got four years and $160 million, and then they franchised Saquon. I understand why teams franchise running backs nowadays, but... I mean, that was their biggest stories. I can read you the names that they brought in. They brought in Paris Campbell. I thought that was extremely underrated. Very good contract mm-hmm. for them. Darren Waller, they made a trade for. Uh, Ashawn Robinson, Bobby o- o- Okarik. But the biggest thing was they extended Daniel Jones. They tagged Saquon. And they got rid of Kenny Dalladay's contract, which, by the way, was a $72 million contract two years ago. Man. I mean, good for him. <clears throat> yeah, know? right? I, and that's why anytime a player gets severely overpaid, I'll dog the team, but I say for the player, good for you. Yeah, well, Kenny Dalladay did get paid. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. I, I mean, but that's the thing is their biggest story of the offseason and, and was running it back. Yeah. I mean, it was... Really, when you're talking about it, you, I mean, they they got rid of they they lost Julian Love. He he was the, one of the starting safeties. He went to Seattle, um, and then the other big big piece was Kenny Galladay, who really wasn't a piece at all last year. When you're talking about the amount of money, and the funny thing was, 
it was well documented all of last year, all the injuries they had at wide receiver. Everybody went down. I mean, the, the second Darius Slayton showed something, injury. Yep. I mean, Isaiah Hodgkin was playing was at the end. So they needed Kenny Galladay, and they were still be like, no, he sucks so bad, <laughs> I can't even put him on the field. Yep. They, I mean, they were playing no-name guys that nobody had ever heard of. Who, who the hell are Richie James going into the season? Yep, yeah, I mean, they, they traded for Darren Waller now, so there's a there's a big improvement at the tight end position. There's somebody that Daniel Jones is, is, can heavily leave, lean on. Um, you resigned uh, not only Daniel Jones but Dexter Lawrence as your one of your interior defensive linemen. Um, he's making a boatload of money now. Um, you signed Bobby McCain, the safety from Washington. I mean, I think he's going to find find his way into some nickel packages and stuff like that. But uh, you brought in Bar- Paris Campbell, wide receiver from Indianapolis, for basically no money. Yeah, we talked one about year, one point three five million. Yeah, at twenty five years old. It's pretty much like a prove it contract for him. Good so, for him. Good, good for both, both of them. Yeah, good for the team. gives it gives Paris Campbell a chance to like resurrect his career. gives uh gives the Giants uh some some much needed depth at the wide receiver position. Because when you're talking about Sterling Shepard, uh, Darius Slayton, uh, Isaiah Hodgins, you know what I mean? Like like there's not a there's not a lot of big names that you're like, oh, this excites me. Uh, you know? What yeah, I mean? they they've got to basically be like, okay, hope somebody catches fire and then funnel to him. That's why I I really like Darren Waller this year. Yeah. I think it's going to be a career resurrection. Yes, for him. I, I think that you're going to find out right now if Darren Waller really wants to play. Yes, <laughs> since he yeah. got his big payday. Uh, Vegas by the numbers for the Giants, they are plus eight fifty to win the division, so they don't think much of them. Plus 2,500 to win the conference, which is eighth. Their Super Bowl odds, which you touched on last week, plus 6,500, which is 23rd. They're over or under for wins, seven and a half. This is a team that won nine last year. Now, their record, and why a lot of people think it's a mirage, their record in one score games last year was eight, four, and one. So of their nine wins, eight were by one score or less. That one win that wasn't was against the Colts when they trotted out Sam Ellinger, and they were basically just punting the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Vegas thinks it was a mirage. That's why they've set their win total at seven and a half. Well, you know, once again, we talked about it. It's a it's a murderer's row of of non non divisional you know opponents. I mean, you pretty much have Arizona, Vegas, maybe New England, maybe Green Bay, and maybe the Rams. Those are those are the closest you get to a soft 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 teams to play against. Yeah, by the numbers, nothing in the NFC East when you're talking about teams like the Redskins and the Giants. No division game is an easy game. No, of course not, and that's that's a problem with facing the uh, AFC East, which is a murderer's row. NFC West has a couple soft spots, but it's tough. Their own division doesn't really have a soft spot. By the numbers, it's the fourth hardest strength of schedule with a 549 opponents win percentage last year. It's going to be tough. And that's the thing is, I already asked you if, and I touched on the numbers with the 8-4-1. I know you has said they're good value. Do you think last year was a mirage? I don't think it's a mirage, but I feel like the way that their schedule, once again, they had the NFC East, all four teams in the NFC East had the easiest schedules last year. So for the Giants to to do what they did, and once I hate when people are like, well, they went 8-4-1 and four and one in one-score games. They won them. They won close games. Like in order to win in the NFL, you need to win close games. Those, Does it those happen are facts, on... though. I understand, but remember, two years ago, when everyone, but two years ago when we were talking about, I'm sorry, not even two last year when we were talking about the stuff, and everyone was like saying, "Oh, the Minnesota Vikings are plus three seventy five to win their division," and I said, "That's wrong." I'm like, "That's wrong. That's a mistake." They lost an incredible amount of games that they shouldn't have lost by, you know, one score games. They were like. 
think it was like two and seven or two and eight in one score games in which out of most of those they had the lead in majority of those games and they blew it so i was telling everybody bet the bet the vikings to win this win the north and they did you know what i mean like so i understand what you're saying it can it can jump it can flip you don't think they're due for regression based on their schedule yes Based on the teams that they're playing against, yes, there's a regression. There will be a regression. But I think Brian Dayball has got things moving in the right direction. He he has taken a very mediocre Daniel Jones and made him into, like, come on, let's be honest. For the last three years, has anybody thought of anything that Daniel Jones ended up being last year? No, they declined his fifth-year option. Yeah. They didn't think he was They good. didn't like it either. <laughs> they didn't like it. Yeah, the other biggest question going into 2023 for the Giants, and we touched on it already, Saquon. Will Saquon play? This is what he means to his team. Last year, he played a league-high 79.2% of his team snaps at running back, and he did it on his fifth-year option. He was a good soldier. He played his ass off. He tied for the team lead in receptions. That's how much he means to his team. He played on a fifth-year option. All those stats I just read are accurate. I would not be surprised if a while back, remember years ago when Emmett Smith held out for the first three games of the season yeah. and, and they lost them, and Jerry Jones is like, I don't care, get back here, I'll pay you. If Saquon did that this year, would you be surprised? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. He has every right to do that. If there's one thing that me and you both agree on is, is if a player deserve, thinks he deserves to get paid, then go ahead. Because guess what? You you get hurt and ain't nobody coming to get nobody coming to save you. No, not at all. And that's the thing is I I I if I was him I would withhold services. I, I mean I got to tell you right now though this O line is built to run. I mean Evan Neal I understand he was he was a he was a high pick draft draft pick last year he did not play well but run blocking is you know everyone loves run blocking you're an offensive lineman you love run blocking oh, you got yes. Evan Neal you got John Michael Schmitz that they just picked the draft this year and you've got Andrew Thomas who is one of the best offensive linemen in football right now you've got a team that you got an offense that is built to run and when you have a running quarterback like Daniel Jones and you've got Saquon Barkley this team is built to run run the ball if you're going to be successful against these other teams that we were talking about or that are that are difficult schedules Run the ball. It's what you're really good at. Everything you said is accurate about their offensive line, but Matt Breida is not Saquon Barkley. No, and that's why they've got to figure this out. They've got to figure it out. they got to get Saquon on board. Because if Saquon's not coming, this is not going to work out well for the Giants. All right, Tim, here's the here's the team that we cannot get right on how to call it this team. The Washington football team commanders of, you know, Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yes. So the Washington football team commanders. Nope. Or Washington some people, the Commodores, the command Commanderians. I will not call them that. They are, they are the Washington <laughs> football team. All right. So let's break down the, the Yeah, last year the they, they were dead last at 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. I, I'm, What they were able to accomplish with Taylor Heineke, I, I, I give Ron Rivera credit. What he was able to accomplish with uh, Tyler Taylor Heineke and the remains of Carson Wentz was pretty amazing. So it's going to be definitely be interesting. Now there there's a reason that Vegas is down on them. Mm-hmm. To, to win the division, they are plus twelve hundred. To win the conference, they are plus four thousand thirteenth. To win the Super Bowl, they are plus 6,500. Why does that number sound familiar, Because we just set it for the Giants. Isn't that crazy? A team that was 9-7-1, and one, like a team that actually made the playoffs last year, had the coach of the year, has one of the best running backs in football. 
they're plus 6,500. And then a team that, once again, is like, oh, we think we'll give you three, we'll give you three times more money to bet them to win the division, but we'll give you the same amount of money from the win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's you gotta love the way Vegas manipulates the, the numbers. Um some of the biggest offseason moves they had, the biggest offseason moves the Washington football team had, a lot of times was stuff off the field. They got rid of their owner, Daniel Snyder, <laughs> which I think everybody universally agrees that was a good move. Uh, you know, which, by the way, his, quote, punishment for being a douchebag is to make billions of dollars. Oh, yeah. You he, know? That, he bought that team and he sold it for billions more. Oh, than yeah. He'll bought. he'll be fine. We'll never hear from him again and he'll yep. be perfectly fine. But they, they subtracted Daniel Snyder. They were able to get rid of Carson Wentz and $26 million of cap space went out the door with him. Taylor Heineke is gone. Bobby McCain, you've already talked about him. He's gone. Bringing in, yes, they brought in Andrew Wiley, offensive lineman, and they brought in Jacoby Brissett to keep uh, compete with Sam Howell. But I think their biggest addition, if you will, was offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach Barrick Bieniemy. He's going to get his opportunity to, to show why he thinks he should have been a head coach. Well, and honestly, he's coming into a, a perfect situation to prove it. He has probably... When we're talking about wide receiver duos, this is probably one of the more underrated that's on the t- that's on a higher end of the spectrum here. I mean, Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin can both play. You say duo, I say triplet. I mean, not just the two you mentioned. Curtis Samuel is very good. Yeah, and when healthy, Logan Thomas is is is, is very good receiving tight end. The weapons are there now. The biggest challenge for him is to step down from some guy named Pat Mahomes to the combo of Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. I mean, Sam Howell, it's like, Sam Howell, it's it's hilarious because when you look at all the player props and all that stuff, you see nothing about Washington football team quarterbacks or commander quarterbacks. There's well, nothing on there. What about is these Vegas guys. supposed to do? Because any number they set for one or two or the other, everybody can pound the under. Yeah. Because you don't know. If, if you say, oh, uh, I'm going to set the over under for pass yards for Sam Howell for. 3, and then 000. he doesn't even get nominated, didn't pick as a starter. Yeah, I, I get it. I that get could it. be easy money for the under for either one of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, let's let's talk about it. In those in the actual positions, like Brian Robinson, hey, in only twelve games he had almost eight hundred yards rushing. Um, you see good things from him. You saw good things from Johan Dotson. He missed a whole bunch of games. Love Dotson. Um, you know Terry McLaurin. He's been solid every single year he's been in the NFL. I mean, the. the 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 problem with the Washington football team is is the fact that you have, you know, possibly Sam Howell as your quarterback and their offensive line where they they not only you brought up Wiley already but they signed Nick Gates as a center from the Giants a guy that wasn't even really on the Giants depth chart that's why I didn't bring him up yeah he wasn't even on the Giants depth chart at the beginning of last season and yet here he is as the starting center for this team you've got Wiley Cosme Gates you got Chris Paul. And you've got Charles Leno. You remember Charles Leno, former Bear Charles Leno. I mean, this is the 27th ranked O-line by PFF, and I think that's generous. I mean, this is going to be a team that, I mean, obviously teams can run block because, you, once again, Tim, you were an offensive lineman. You know everyone can kind of run block because you literally just have to hit the everyone guy Everyone can of run you. block, yes. But, I mean, pass-wise, you've got an inexperienced quarterback or you've got Jacoby Prissett. Going going up against an offensive going with an offensive line that can't stop people from getting to the quarterback. I love it when you break down offensive lines. I love it. I love bringing it up because what is the, one of the things we always say? If you're going to be competitive in this league, you if you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you have to protect the quarterback and get to the quarterback, which is something that Philadelphia Eagles do and the Washington Commanders do not. I will say this though. 
they can sure get to the quarterback because they don't blitz very often. But when you got Montez Sweat, you got Darren Payne, who they just franchised and gave him $22 million a year to be and in the rightly franchise. so. Rightly so. Jonathan Allen and Chase Young, these four guys on the, on the defensive line can get to the quarterback without anybody blitzing. I mean, they've got a solid... Uh, they got they got a solid defensive backfield. They just got Emmanuel Forbes in the draft, which I said he's going to start day one. He, I didn't think he was the wrong choice. They should have picked Christian Gonzalez, but he's still going to be a solid player for this team. So they have a good cover defense and a defensive line that can pressure the quarterback. They have probably one of the worst linebacker cores I've ever seen. Yeah, they they're going to struggle at linebacker, but that's the thing is they do they are good on the defensive line. They did invest in the defensive backfield and offensive line in the draft. Their first and second round pick were defensive backs. Their third and fourth round picks were offensive linemen. So at least they invested well there. It's interesting to see what Sam Howell does. The biggest questions for them going into, and, and I didn't mean to skip over their strength of schedule, their, quote, last place schedule, you know what it gets them? The eighth hardest schedule in the NFL. 535 opponent win percentage. That's what their schedule gets them for a, quote, last place schedule. Well, that's what you get when you got to play against Seattle and San Francisco and the Rams and, you know, and the Buffalo and the Jets and Miami and New England. I mean, their soft part of the schedule is pretty much Arizona, Chicago, Atlanta. And the Rams. Yeah, but once again, the Rams at least have, like, you know, you still have Aaron Darnold, uh, Aaron Donald, uh, you know Stafford and Stafford Cup. Yeah. I mean, right then and there, when you're talking about the star power of of the Redskins versus the star power of the Rams, just on that, you're thinking well, the Rams are already going to be favored by. They're at the Rams too. You're, the Rams are going to be favored by four and a half at least. Yes, yes, because they have that that thunderous crowd in Los Angeles <laughs> that gets there about <laughs> halftime. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to sneak that in. So the biggest questions for the Washington football team going into 2023. Quarterback. We've already talked mainly about it. Um, The quarterback position, what's going on with the combination of Howell and Brissett, and what can Eric Biennemi do with them? Yeah, well, you know what? In my opinion, just throw Sam Howell out there and see what you got. Jacoby Brissett is perfectly fine to be the backup. Um, he is kind of like your journeyman that'll be in there and do his best and be, be a formidable backup quarterback if you need to put him out there but you need to see what you have in Sam Howell because if you because if this whole thing goes upside down maybe you get yourself because because of this murderer's row of a schedule you have maybe you get yourself set up for Caleb Williams next year that that was the case I was trying to make with the Houston Texans last year like listen they had Kyle Allen and they had Davis Mills I was like hey trot Davis Mills out there because you already know who Kyle Allen is you don't know who Davis Mills is, he could be your quarterback. Now, they found out he wasn't. Well, the same thing with the Washington football team. I When they when we did this episode last year, I, I, I gave them all the credit in the world for taking Sam Howell in the fifth round because you never know. Every team on day three should take a quarterback. Every team, because you never know. We know who Jacoby Brissett is. You don't know who Sam Howell is. Put him out there. Is he the quarterback of your future? Awesome. If not, then there's two guys coming out next year that could be really good. Yep. So why the hell not? I, I'm very interested to see both of them. The other question hovering over the Washington football team, you've already touched on it, what they do with their young defensive linemen. Chase Young, they've already declined his fifth-year option. He was the 2020 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Now he had a serious knee injury at the end of 21 that cost him most of 2022. So they have to not only evaluate their quarterback position, they have to evaluate Chase Young and, to an extent, Montez Sweat because 
they're going to have to pay these guys if they're good. Yep. If they're not, it's time to move on again. So some interesting, even though we think they're going to be the fourth place team in that division, a lot of interesting things to watch with this team as well. Absolutely. All right, Tim, we're just about ready to wrap up this episode here. Before we get to the best bets, I wanted to throw some things out there that I thought were really interesting before I get to my actual best bets here. So I know that I so got... don't hold this against you. Yes, yeah, these are these are ones that I'm going to throw out there that I'm like interesting, maybe, but the, but they're not my best bets. I might put bets in on these things, and I'll let everybody know about it. I'll probably do some YouTube videos like I usually do and put them up there, um, nice little three minute snippets there. But I'm going to throw out some bets out there. there. There's a bunch of them I love with the Washington football team. I do like the Washington football team on offense. I feel like there's going to be a lot of garbage time. I feel like there's going to be a lot of uh, extra things going on here. Terry McLaurin over 900. 0.5 receiving yards. He's done it every year in his career. I see no reason why that's going to stop now. If even with with Brissett or Sam Howell as the starting quarterback, they are going to be playing from behind an awful lot. I believe in this in this season. Brian Robinson, his over under for rushing yards is 800.5 rushing yards. He only played 12 games last year. The dude was shot multiple times in the leg, and he came back and played in 12 games. He rushed for 800 yards. Why wouldn't he be able to do it again this year? Thoughts? I can't disagree with anything you're saying. Good stuff so All right. far. Let me bring up let me bring up one here for the it's not one of my best bets, but the Philadelphia Eagles at minus one twenty five to win the division. I just don't see how you're not going to do that. I mean, obviously we can get to we can get to all that and you know, maybe that comes into what you're talking about here, but uh something else I wanted to bring up here is this this one comes with a little bit of a uh, a little bit of an asterisk here. A disclaimer? Yes. I have seen the Dallas Cowboys over under win total at 10 and a half. And I will tell you this much right now. I believe, I know you said it was nine and a half earlier on DraftKings. I saw it somewhere else. All right. For 10 and a half. Yeah, shop. By all means, shop. And when you're shopping on this bet, I'm telling you right now, I'm not betting this, but I'm telling you it is a guarantee they will not win over 10 and a half games if they lose week one to the Giants. So back it up. So you're not betting it, but you say it's a guarantee. I'm saying week one, if they lose to the Giants week one, because they play against them, I believe, Sunday night. Uh, it's the first. It's the Sunday night opener, I believe, because the Monday night opener is the Bills. We'll get there. Bills-Jets, I believe. If they lose that game, if they lose that game to the Giants, which the Giants, once again, win close games. They, they did it last year. If they start winning lo- close games and they beat the Cowboys week one, the Cowboys will not win. Over ten and a half games. The problem with that is if they lose to the Giants, that number is going to come. Yeah, down. absolutely, that number is going to come down. And I'm saying that's why it's not one of my best bets because it's something that I think could possibly happen. I think it absolutely will happen if they lose to the Giants week one. But once again, it's not one of my best bets. For somebody who's listening and likes that now, do you remember what site you saw saw ten and a half? Oh, I'll have to check. I I I have so many of them. I'm on I'm on Caesars. I'm on MGM. I'm on you know I mean I'm on DraftKings. I'm on FanDuel. I'm on PointsBet. I'm on all I'm on all of them. I'm on Bar- Barstool. You know what I mean? I'm on all of them. It escapes me right now. I'm sorry I didn't do my homework on that. I hope you will forgive me. Uh, I, I'll allow it. All right. Well, you did provide the beer today. I will allow it. All right. So, best bets. I have three. You have three. Do you want to kick us off? Actually, you know yes. what? I'll give you one more. One more I'm going to throw out there before because I just realized I almost missed it. On Caesar's sports bet, I did write this one down. For at minus 120, Isaiah Hodgins, it's over 425 and a half receiving yards for the season. Tim, that means if he stays healthy, he only needs to have over 25 yards every game. 
Love it. And this is, a, this is a guy that when they played their playoff game against the against the uh, Minnesota Vikings and one had had nine catches for 108 yards. So this guy has proven that he can do it. He only played um, last year. He had almost 400 yards receiving, and he only played like eight eight or nine games for. The yeah, Red him Rams. and Daniel Jones had a really good connection at the end of the season. So I, I, that's a nice little hidden gem you found. There. I think if you if you have a, a Caesar Sportsbook is the only one I can even find that put numbers up for that. But 425, he basically has to be non-existent. He has to be demoted back to the practice squad if he's not going to do that. Would have been a lot cooler if it was 420. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all, all right. All right, Tim, best bets, what do you got? Um, I'm going to lead off with, you mentioned it already. I, I noticed it, and I thought it was just too good. What I've been talking about in our first three episodes is stuff that it's like, get it now. Philadelphia to win the division. Philadelphia to win the NFC East is minus 125. Go get that right now. I've already done it. Go get it now. You're telling me they're not a class above Dallas or the Giants? They absolutely are. Yeah. By week three, this is going to be minus 250. Go get it now. Minus 125. That's as close to common juice as any other bet you're going to get. Philadelphia to the win division, minus one. Like I said, it was one of those things that I told you I liked, but I wasn't. it didn't make my cut as as some of my best bets. One of my best bets here is Jalen Hurts under 11.5 rushing touchdowns at minus 120 on DraftKings. Um, that number is, is a little higher at other places. DraftKings is the best odds I found it at. And let me tell you this, Tim. Last year, Jalen Hurts rushed for 13 touchdowns. His over-under is set at 11.5. Do you know how many quarterbacks have rushed for over 11.5 touchdowns in a season? Not many. Four. Four in NFL history. Jalen Hurts last year, Cam Newton did it twice. Once in 2011 and once in 2020. And then Steve Grogan in 1976 for the New England Patriots. Former Patriots, Steve. Former Once Patriots, you said Grogan, Grogan, I have that football card. Okay, so. So what you're saying is that it's rare. What I'm saying is, is that is extremely rare. You just gave Jalen Hurts that big five-year $255 million contract. You don't think that with all those running backs you know, and all that talent that they're not going to protect their quarterback a little more. I understand if you're at the one yard line and they do that, they do the whole snap the ball, the the running backs just get behind him and push him forward. Yeah, I'm and stuff surprised like that. they haven't outlawed that yet. Uh, yeah, it didn't get outlawed, but at the same exact time, you're not going to risk your quarterback. Because guess what? Guess what happened last year, Tim? What happened to Jalen Hurts at the end of the season? He got hurt. Yep. You're Which not going to risk. Which is cost them their perfect season. Yeah, you're not going to risk getting this guy hurt when you give the ball to DeAndre Swift, uh, Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny, Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell. Gainwell, Boston Scott. I mean, and a cast on of and on. Trey yeah. Sermon. I mean, they have a bunch of running backs there. All right, there's no reason why. Tim, let me throw this there for a second. I know I'm taking long on this, and I'm going to try to cut a chart here in a second. The equivalent of this, only four people have done that in 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 the the whole history of the NFL have rushed for more touchdowns than that. That would be the equivalent of saying the over under for rushing touchdowns on let's say Derrick Henry was 24 and a half. But the public loves to bet the overs. I understand. That's why the number's so high. That the sharps bet unders. The top, the the only people that you have to go to have four running backs for the most rushing touchdowns in a season is twenty five, right? For the top four ever. When you're talking about receiving touchdowns, the top four ever, you'd have to be at seventeen and a half. Could you imagine if you were like the over under on Justin Jefferson receiving touchdowns was seventeen and a half? It happens so infrequently. That it's basically free money, in my opinion. The over-under on Lamar Jackson, one of the better rushing running backs that we've seen, or even Justin Fields, one of the better 
running backs is when you're talking about getting open space and running for long touchdowns and stuff like that. Both of those are six and a half. Uh, and all the running backs, nobody's over nine and a half. Just, Jalen Hurts is by himself at 11 and a half. So give me the under. Like it. Give me it. the under rushing touchdowns, 11 and a half. Noted. Noted. Um, I wanted to point out some value. Tony Pollard is plus 1,600 to lead the league in rushing. I just thought that was good value. 16 to 1. Now, I understand that might be affected if they bring back Zeke. But right now, Tony Pollard. I just 16 to 1, I think that's great. I think that's a really good value. That's to me is a good couch change bet. Tony Pollard plus 1600 to lead the league. So you're saying if you're going to throw like a, a happy meal in it, like 10 bucks. Yeah, exactly. I, I just thought that, was, I thought that was good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go along with you here. Not on the, the yard, not on the lead of the league in rushing, but I have Tony Pollard over eight and a half rushing touchdowns at plus 120 on DraftKings. He had nine last year. Tim, do you know how many of those nine were inside the 10-yard line? Not many. Three. He had 27 red zone touches. I'm not talking about just carries. I'm talking about touches altogether. 27 red zone touches. Zeke had 40. If Zeke is not there, there's 40 red zone touches that are going right back to Pollard. All right, so that already increases that and stuff like that. Zeke had 11 of his 12 touchdowns were all inside the 10-yard line. So this guy already went over last season. He had nine last season. So he already went over with the fact that he was he was basically not even splitting with Zeke. He was basically giving all the touchdowns to Zeke. And now Zeke's not there. And even if he is there, Pollard's going to get a lot more touchdowns. So I think at plus 120, give me that plus money all day long. Speaking of the Cowboys, my third of the best bets, Dak under 4,050 and a half pass yards. It's minus 120 on DraftKings. I just, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like the Cowboys are going to be a little more conservative when it goes to passing, a little more rushing. Tony Pollard's going to get his opportunities, and I've doubled down on it. I thought Pollard at plus 1,600 league of league and rushing was a good half-unit value play. I'm going under Dak's pass yards at 4,050 and a half. See, I, I just think, I understand why you're saying, because you're saying this is going to be a more run dependent offense because you're saying McCarthy's going to take over so I just think Mike McCarthy has always produced top 10 offenses and I feel like that's going to be yards all over the place however when was the last time Dak played a full season huh that's a good point it's a good point uh it's valid valid all right I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to sit here and eat my crow all right but I'm going to give you my third best pick of the my third best bet for the NFC East and that is Jahan Dotson over four and a half receiving touchdowns and that's even money that's plus 100 that's just that's just double your Love money there's Dotson no juice Jahan Dotson last year had seven touchdowns and he only played in 12 games all right now I understand you're saying Sam Howell but you know what or Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett but guess what it's Carson Wentz last year and Taylor Heineke all right you're talking about a, a Jahan Dotson that we're talking about even though he only played 12 games there was a bunch of games where he was not very much in the offense setup whatsoever because you had that game against the Bears where all they did was run the ball. So it, but you have in twelve games seven touchdowns and all you're asking for is four and a half for a whole seventeen game season. If he stays healthy, there's no way. There's no way he's, in my opinion, he's not going to go over that. Wow, good stuff. You did your homework. Yeah, I've been looking into all this stuff. I gave you the other ones. Some of those I might throw out there in some YouTube videos. I guarantee you these three. Uh, well, I'll, you'll you'll see the YouTube videos for those. The Pollard over eight and a half rushing touchdowns. The Yahan Dotson over four and a half touchdowns 
um, at both at plus money and the Jalen Hurts under 11.5 rushing touchdowns just for the fact that it doesn't happen very often. So, yeah, there you go. So, thanks for listening. Uh, Tim, anything you else wanted to say? Uh, stay tuned for next week's episode. We're going to talk about the AFC East. Should be one of the best, best divisions in football, so we're really excited to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.